Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 113. The strategy is essentially three parts, helping to get access to capital, creating ecosystems of support across the country, but also regionally throughout the country. And then number three, measuring and data, which is what we call the Knowledge Hub. Hello, and welcome to Trade Finance Talks. My name is Brian Kanup, Assistant Editor at Trade Finance Global. On March 8th, Trade Finance Global celebrated International Women's Day by championing over 100 women in trade, treasury, and payments. Though this campaign was on March 8th, we are continuing to amplify the voices of women in the industry to ensure that the impact of our campaign reaches far further than just one day, just one month, in order to help equity and to make real progress. Equity requires an ongoing commitment from all of us. Numerous studies have shown that increasing international trade can have a direct impact on elevating women's status globally. When more women participate in the sector, their companies and individual households all do better. And in March 2022, Canada and the UK announced the launch of negotiations with the goal of creating a Canada-UK free trade agreement that is inclusive and sustainable and ensures that everyone benefits from trade, including women, Indigenous peoples, Black and racialized entrepreneurs, 2SLGBTQIA+, and youth. This is why Trade Finance Global are very excited to have the Honorable Mary Ng, Minister of International Trade, Export Promotion, Small Business, and Economic Development on our podcast to discuss international trade and the promotion of women globally. Honorable Mary Ng, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Hello, Brian. It's terrific to be here and to be in the UK. We really appreciate you joining us today. So to start off, can you tell us a little bit about the role of the Government of Canada and also the EDC in supporting Canadian businesses involved in international trade? Absolutely. I loved how you started uh, the podcast and talked about the role of elevating women in our economy and in trade in particular. The federal government and EDC play a really important role because one of the top issues that we hear from women entrepreneurs and women-owned businesses is the ability to get access to capital. So EDC plays a really important role because they provide financing capital, they provide insurance um, when businesses are looking to grow beyond our borders in Canada. So there's a really important role that they play. And in terms of the government of Canada and women in particular, I lead the women's entrepreneurship strategy. And you said in your opening that adding women to the economy helps grow our economies, helps to grow jobs. That's really true. In Canada, it's a $7 billion investment. The return on investment is $150 billion to the Canadian economy. I tell my colleagues around the world, trade ministers around the world, let's do this together. Because if we do this together, it's $7 trillion to the global economy by doing one thing, empowering women so that they can take more space in our respective economies. That's an amazing stat. The return on investment is mind-blowing in that sense. To move on in the same strain here, what does Canada's import and export profile look like? And what is the current trade strategy given the rough current global macroeconomic situation? In Canada, as the trade minister, I often uh, tout that we are the only G7 country with a free trade agreement with every other G7 country. We have very competitive free trade agreements around the world, accessing over 60% of the global economy, including the agreement that we have here in Europe with the European Union through CETA. In North America, 
In Canada, it's called Kuzma. In US, it's called USMCA. In Mexico, it's called TMEC, but it's NAFTA 2.0. But that's a very robust and dynamic and important trading market in North America. And Canada also has access to Asia Pacific through the CPTPP. So countries like Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Vietnam, they're all and other countries are part of the CPTPP. And Canada is also at the negotiating table right now with an early progress trade arrangement with India. We are at the negotiating table at the ASEAN. So that's the 10 countries that make up the ASEAN countries bilaterally with Indonesia. We just launched our Indo-Pacific strategy. All this is to sum up to say, you know, to answer your question, what is our trade outlook? The trade outlook is to grow and to diversify and to find partners who we will trade with. If I look at a couple of the lines that are really important, like here in the United Kingdom or in the European Union, a couple of lines that are really growing are trade and environmental goods and services. Mm -hmm. So it is our desire and our commitment to fight climate change, but also transition our economies into the net zero economies of the future, creating those jobs for those workers in the economy that's really important. So continuing to diversify, growing our trade relationships, continue to negotiate the agreements. I'm in the UK with 40 women-owned businesses as part of this trade mission. That's the reason I'm here. So trade agreements are only part of the equation. They're only useful if we're able to get people, companies, entrepreneurs trading. And it very much has to be about including everyone in your economy, women entrepreneurs, indigenous peoples, small and medium-sized businesses, young entrepreneurs. That is very much what Canada's trade outlook is. That makes a lot of sense. I think the past couple of years have really shown both private sector and public sector how important diversification is. We've seen a wild past couple of years, and it's, it's good to know that when we diversify, we do better as well. And I think everyone can learn from that lesson. You touched on it a little bit on, on your past answer, but could you give a brief overview of the Canada-UK free trade agreement? And what are the main goals behind this? And what do they want to achieve in the next coming years? Well, the United Kingdom and Canada are longstanding in historical partners and friends and uh, allies. We have traded with the United Kingdom for a very long time. When the United Kingdom exited uh, the European Union, we negotiated a trade continuity agreement is what we call it. We are able to provide the same level of trade rules and protection to businesses on both sides of the Atlantic here in the UK, as well as in Canada, and to have the continuity of that agreement continue. And that is serving as well. It's providing preferential access to each other's markets. It provides the rules for trading, which is very well understood by our producers by our entrepreneurs, by our businesses. But Canada and UK want to negotiate a bilateral agreement that builds on this really important relationship. And I think there's some new things that we could be doing. We already believe that we need to have high standards for the environment, have high standards for labor, so therefore protections for workers. Canada has that in all of our agreements, and this is something that we certainly have with the United Kingdom through the CTA and, and want to ensure we continue to have in our bilateral agreement. But look at the digital economy, for example, an area where Canada and the UK are really strong. Mm -hmm. If I just take a look at the companies that are here, I mean, we've got companies that are here, the female companies who are in biosciences. We have them in clean tech. We have them in digital, like in areas of AI, cybersecurity. So these are areas where the UK also has really comparable strengths. So building on what the economy of the future is going to look like, industries, small and medium-sized businesses that are in the building out of the green economy and an inclusive agreement that ensures that we are very 
deliberate and focused at making sure that there are opportunities for trading for small and medium-sized businesses, for women-owned businesses. That's sort of the overall goal mm -hmm. and architecture of what we're working on between Canada and the UK. We, we've had a number of rounds of negotiations already, and it's progressing well. And we said we would try to get this done by 2024. I believe it's April. So we're on track. Great to hear that's on track and progressing forward well. As you and our audience knows at Trade Finance Talks, March is Women's History Month. And can you speak to the role of women in international trade, kind of like we did earlier in this podcast, um, and any specific initiatives or programs that the EDC is involved in that support women-owned businesses? Absolutely. So one of my most favorite things I get to do Prime Minister gave me a mandate to increase the number of women entrepreneurs in Canada and uh, to invest and to provide the supports to enable that to happen. As I said earlier, it's a $7 billion strategy. The strategy is essentially three parts, helping to get access to capital, creating ecosystems of support across the country, but also regionally throughout the country. And then number three, measuring and data, which is what we call the knowledge hub. The first part is where, where I'll answer the question about EDC. So access to financing is really important that mm -hmm. EDC, through a couple of initiatives, which is both financing and insurance, has $2.8 billion out of that $7 billion strategy. So you can see it's a pretty sizable amount. And there's also another $200 million set aside by the EDC to support women in international trade. So help them grow into markets like this one. So going on trade missions like this, I mean, the EDC is here with me. We have presence here, but around the world to make sure that the kind of financing insurance products are made available to Canadian exporters. But I will maybe finish off by saying how important ecosystems of supports are. Ecosystems really are the access to business networks, the very deliberate bringing together of trade missions like this one that's focused on women. I'm here in the UK, but I've been in Japan. I've been in other parts of Asia, Singapore just very recently. I'm going to be in Chile in another few weeks. So being focused about supporting women in international trade, but mentorships and helping to navigate the range of business issues and supports that women need in terms of that support. That's the strategy. And I'm seeing results because the ecosystems have helped about 10,000 Canadian women-owned businesses start up. And it's helped about 12,000 Canadian women-led businesses to grow their existing businesses. In Canada, 99% of our businesses are small, medium-sized businesses. 16% of them were women-owned or women-led. It's now 18%. So the dial is moving. And that is really, really excellent. We need this dial to move and to move further. And maybe one last plug. I'm a minister with responsibility for an economic file. I can't do this work to support women alone. We have implemented $10 a day childcare. So affordable early learning and childcare in Canada, which is a game changer for women leaders, for women entrepreneurs, for women owned businesses. We've also legislated parental leave. So it means that a woman is able to be a mom and in her household decide that she's going to pursue uh, her work of leading her company, growing her business, um, being a woman leader. And her partner is, uh, you know, will take the parental leave. I believe that those are direct public policies that we have implemented as the government of Canada that collaborates with the work that I am doing so that we are taking a whole of government approach to do one thing, support women so that we can add women into the economy. You mentioned two things that Trade Fans Global heard a lot when we celebrated International Women's Day. It was the mentorship and the access to child care to, to help for women who are in, for, for mothers who are in the workplace. And that is a consistent theme that we've been seeing from, from leaders ranging from the United States to the Asian continent, everywhere across, no matter what industry you're in, those two, the mentorship, and access to childcare was, was the consistent point. So it's good to hear that the public system is also trying to help help uh, grow that area as well. So public and private sector are very important to work together. How can they work together to promote 
women international trade? And are there specific initiatives with these two that have been particularly successful? I talked earlier about how governments can go and negotiate trade agreements. You do that between government to government, but we don't do business. Businesses do business. But what we can do is we can create the right environment and the conditions to be as supportive and be the enablers for business to pursue their growth. This is an example of how the public part and the private part can really work together. We spoke about the ecosystems and mentorship. We have a global mentorship program out of the government of Canada, which we had invested in. That's bringing together just really excellent and incredible people from the business sector who will be a part of that mentorship roster, for example, and uh, that entrepreneurs and businesses could seek and access. So I really think that the more we could be doing to create the right conditions and environment for the public sector and the private sector to collaborate and find those synergies is really key. I mean, we do trade negotiations, but we are constantly talking to the business community as we are doing them, because who are we negotiating for? We're negotiating so that we're creating the right set of rules, but that they are commercially meaningful and relevant for businesses to be able to participate in them. And so there is a really important role. I think last night we had a reception here at Canada House for the 40 women-owned businesses that are here. And there was a room of just hundreds of people who are here who are Canadian businesses who have done business here in the UK and have been here for a very long time. For new businesses coming to the UK to see these other industry leaders is an example of how for us to convene something as simple as a business reception, to bring people together, to bring those who have been here and those who are coming here together allows for that networking to take place. So I think that there is lots of room for partnership and we should always do that. Minister Ng, thank you very much for joining us in Trade Finance Talks. I think this is an incredibly informative podcast. I know we all really appreciate you taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to sit down with us and, and give us an insight on the UK-Canada relationship here. Well, thanks so much. Uh, I am never too busy to <laughs> talk to your audience. So please invite me back. Right, thank you very much. Thanks man. so much. To all the listeners, thank you very much for joining Trade Finance Talks once again. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.